You are listening to Oh This Podcast on the Live 9 Podcast Network. This show may contain colorful language and topics. If you are sensitive to this, please be advised. Now on to the show. Welcome to another edition of Otis oh Podcast, recording live in the West Loop, in the West Loop of Chicago, Otis oh Podcast. That's a bad, that's a <laughs> terrible <laughs> Swedish show. Hello, <laughs> welcome to Otis oh Podcast. Steve, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I had I'm, a better Otis. You did, you, you were practicing so much better than what you just uh, put out there. It happens. You know, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll work on that as we come along. But thank you for being here. We are here with episode 31. It is our Reggie Miller episode. We should have actually done, like, held off on a couple episodes to celebrate your birthday, the big three zero. But we're going to do episode 31 here. Uh, and before we get into everything, I want to thank you for being here. Yes. And also wish you uh, one of the most magical happy <laughs> birthdays uh, one could have. Well, How thank was, you, my friend. Did you have a good time this weekend? I did. I did. I was a uh, had a great time. Uh, my girlfriend put together a, a wonderful party here for uh, friends and family here in Chicago. And, uh, you know, very happy that I got to see a lot of people that I hadn't got to catch up with in a while. And uh, got to see a few scenes of, of that my friends made in uh, various uh, locations uh, that we were partaking in uh, during the evening so it was it was a very enjoyable night that's awesome awesome yeah. well from oh this podcast happy birthday we are very happy that you're here also recording it was a safe birthday for most people yeah um, i think so yeah. i mean yeah I, I don't think any there was any harm there was no harm no foul no, maybe, maybe, well, maybe, maybe to reputation, maybe, but maybe nothing reputation. else. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Steve, why don't you do us a favor and tell us a little bit about the show's metadata? Oh, metadata, metadata. Well, everybody, uh, you can check check us out. Check, check, check us out, check on, us the, out. <laughs> on the internet at ohthispodcast.com. That's where we've got uh, all the info about the show, past episodes, all that good stuff. Uh, we're on iTunes and uh, Google Play. Uh, anywhere, you, anywhere podcasts are put on the internet <laughs> you can find us there um we're also on uh, facebook and twitter uh if you like to interact with us on social media and uh, do social media type things and then uh also we've got our uh, patreon page if you want to support the show uh and uh you know if you're if you're thinking that you're, you're digging what we're putting out there you're you're catching the vibe and you want to support the show uh that's where you can get us there very nice. How much? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's all up to you. I mean, the market. We're. I mean, we're nothing but capitalists. I mean, the market demand is really. Uh, you know, uh, they're going to tell us how much they want to how much they want to pay. Yeah, that works for me. That works <laughs> for me. Awesome, awesome. Well, Steve, I think it was only fitting for us to take and be be that it the calendar year has gone and it is what is it the vernal equinox or some shit like that. Uh, no, vernal would be spring. So autumnal, autumnal yes. uh, the autumnal equinox has happened. I think that's my, you know, you know, I got to get the farmer's almanac here. But it's the <laughs> month of October. Yes, we're and in meteorological uh, uh, fall. Mercury is in retrograde. <laughs> uh, but I think it's only fitting for us as a beer podcast to talk about there's the fall, you know, 
Fall isn't all about Starbucks pumpkin spice lattes and all that it, stuff. It, yeah, and you know it is about pumpkin beer though. It is about pumpkin uh, beer, and and we'll talk a little bit about some uh, pumpkin beers here. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's very much uh, a changing of the seasons uh, for you know in the climate and everything else. But uh, it's a, a kind of a, a it marks a point in which uh, kind of our beer tastes uh, start to change a little bit, and we start to. Uh, partake in some different styles once the weather starts to turn a little bit absolutely so i think it was without um without hesitation we decided to give everybody the oh this podcast uh fall beer primer Mm -hmm. and that's what our topics are going to be around today so um why don't you take and hit us off with the first thing you thought about? I think we yeah. were going to talk about some other. Yeah, we'll, we'll get uh, we got a, a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, we'll start with the beer of the week this week and uh, a perfect, uh, I, I think, uh, a beverage for uh, uh, kind of to mark the season uh, and it's aptly named. Uh, so this uh, this week's uh, beer is uh, the Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest beer. Um, so what Sierra Nevada does is kind of cool each year. Uh, they partner up with a brewery in Germany. And they brew their traditional Oktoberfest style beer, which is a like a, a Marzen. Uh, it's a lager, a um, little bit like a, a copper in color most of the time. Um, but uh, it's not a overly heavy beer, but it's a you know traditional uh, beer that they brew for the uh, you know great event that is Oktoberfest. Um, so yeah, this uh, this year they partnered with uh, Brauhaus uh, Miltenberger in uh in germany and uh they, say then 10 times fast brauhaus Mil- miltenberger yeah got one <laughs> got you on the first one uh mittenberger rather i'm sorry i said i screwed it up see that's why you don't say it 10 times this fast. is why we practice you talk about practice practice um but yeah the, so this year's version of it is uh kind of like I, i've said before it's a gold like copper type color uh it's very malty uh so you got like biscuit notes uh not like popeye's biscuits but uh more limp biscuit <laughs> notes <laughs> limp biscuit notes um you get a little bit of caramel sweetness to it uh but it's a very li- i would classify it uh as no higher than like a medium body beer it's not uh it's not very heavy it's very easy to drink uh it's a lager so there's not a ton of complexity to it but it is tasty uh clean to finish um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a super exciting beer, but most German beers aren't, uh, overly exciting, uh, but it is true to the style and, uh, it's a good representation of this tra- very traditional beer that has been brewed for uh, hundreds of years in Germany. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tasty, uh, tasty little beverage uh, for a nice fall day at, uh, and we're looking at a 83 on beer advocate and a 94 on rate beer for this one. And, and it's funny cause we're sitting here recording and it's like 83 degrees outside it is. in we're Chicago, in, Chicago um, in October 2nd. Like, <laughs> is that absolutely ridiculous? It me? is. It is. Uh, you know, it's. It was nice and cool this weekend, though. Oh, absolutely. It felt it was, like fall yeah. when we prepped for this. It felt like fall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then one other note on the on the Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest, uh, it, it's like 6.1% alcohol, which so is going back to the point of how it's it's not like this crazy extreme beer or anything like that. It's very much in the middle of the road category. So it's accessible. Like if you're, if you think you're not really into beer, uh, this is one that doesn't really, it won't put off anybody. Um, it's, you might not like it, but, uh, you're not going to be like, Oh, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life either. It's just kind of right in the middle. Yeah. It's not like a shot of Malort. No, no, it's not gonna, it's not that polarizing. It's yeah. a, it's a very uh, even keeled beer. Sierra Nevada, Oktoberfest. Yeah. Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest from <laughs> Mutenberg. From Hirchenberg. From <laughs> There, I got the Swedish there chef there from Malt. I'll get that out later. So. <laughs> but yeah, so 
Um, outside of uh, that, uh, I'm you know let's lead this thing off uh, just kind of talking about some of those fall beer styles. Because um, yeah, I mean, really, this is the time. Like I, I did actually a lot of thinking about it. It's not just like oh, it's October first, so it's automatically time to start busting these out. It's like I have like this innate like. I don't know. It's my, my beer sense is tingling. And I think like, Oh, like we're getting in October. Like you start seeing the leaves change and like, I don't know, my tastes go right along with it. Um, so for whatever reason, I start, uh, transitioning into, uh, most of the time, darker beers right, uh, okay. in the fall, not crazy, you know, uh, you know, Imperial stouts or anything like that, but it, it definitely starts transitioning towards, you know, oh, we gotta we gotta start uh, hunkering down for the winter, so let's get this stuff in while we can. Um, so yeah, I mean, one of the styles that, uh, and I wish I was a little um, thrown off by this weekend because I was hoping to get it and they didn't have it. Uh, was at uh, uh, Peace in Chicago, Peace Brewery and Pizzeria. Uh, they make a tremendous Dunkelweizen, uh, which is called Dark and Curvy, um, and Dunkelweizen's a dark wheat beer. Um, if you've had a half of Eisen, well, you know what that tastes like. Unfil- uh, unfiltered, wheat unfiltered beer. wheat beer. Um, a he- Dunkel Weizen is just a dark, uh, they, they use a darker version of the, uh, uh, malt and wheat, uh, to make that, be- to give the beer its color. Yeah. So it doesn't pour like the, a Dunkel Weizen won't be like pitch black or anything. It, it best probably description of it would be like, uh, dark, Dark brown. Uh, you're you're probably looking at, uh, but it's, it's, like it's a burnt cloudy, right? a burnt sienna. Ooh. If you're looking at the Crayola crayons, yeah, hex value f something something something. <laughs> I, I can't picture that right now. But so is it still like a Hefeweizen where it pours unfiltered most of the time? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, so it's not the, like a, it's not like a Guinness where you're gonna see clouds of the stout rising. Right? No, that, no, no. But no. it's definitely not gonna be something. That you're gonna see right through, like a you know an amber. No, amber. no, it's it's gonna be hazy. Um, and most good hefeweizens will have like a lot of like banana and like spicy clove um, aromas to it. Um, it's obviously wheat beer, so you're gonna have that haze, and uh, uh, it's gonna be very yeasty. Like you're gonna, it's it's very, um, you know, you, you have a, a very similar experience to like bread like you if you took sure, a whiff of sure. it took a hit of it uh you would think like oh this is very bready um so that yeah, that's the kind of style and that's one i like uh i mean a dunkelweizen is great in a lot a lot of different uh settings but uh you know, like i th- i feel like hefeweizens are very popular in the uh, spring and summertime, uh, that you know that style got very big several years ago. Uh, it's still very popular, uh, but I prefer the Dunkelweizen just because I like the beer a little bit darker. And uh, so that's one that I've been uh, kind of looking to get. I wanted the piece dark and curvy. Some other good examples. Uh, uh, Hacker Shore actually makes a really good Dunkelweizen, um, and uh, Vihen Stefaner uh, dun- makes a Dunkel as well. I'm not going to pronounce that again because I'll screw it up yeah. again. Um, but that's uh, another German brewery. You know, they make they've been doing it for hundreds of years, so um, they know how to how to make this style. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, like for me, personal preference. Like we're weaning off of summer, obviously, yeah. right? And it seems like summer is all about like I don't know. For me, it's lighter beers, beers you can drink. Like I love drink. Like if I go on my my one of my favorite breweries, the Bell's Scale, mm-hmm. uh, as I c- can do it. Summer beer is for Oberon, and the rest of the year is for Two Hearted. Okay. And I don't know why, if it's just, like, the higher alcohol content in it, the taste. I could drink Two Hearted all all year round. But 
I, I don't know. Like for me, it seems like it just is a natural fit, fitting to like, it goes with a cuisine that you're sure. drinking and doing more of this. Like I think of light beers or lighter beers and IPAs for barbecues. But then I think of like football season and you have a thing of chili and then you get a nice amber ale yeah. or something along like that. And it's not always going to be paired with food that way, but that generally is one of the things that happens for me. Mm-hmm. Does sure. that like happen with you? Like with some of the styles, like I know you said the Dunkelweizen is a good, uh, indicator of what you wish you had but like Mm -hmm. is that do you is that kind of like what you see with your preferences as you go into the fall yeah a little bit uh for there's certainly an element there um i mean amber rails are fine uh you know like for me um i try to get i try to do have as many unique beers as i can uh just to do something different like there's so much good beer out there and so much variety and so many different takes on styles that i'd like to try something different as much as I can. So it's like, I'm not going to necessarily lock myself in and say like, Oh, I'm going to drink bells, Amber all of this fall. Like that's my beer of the fall uh, or anything like that. It's uh, you know, I, I just think there's a natural transition there um, where, yeah, I mean like heavier foods and, and, you know, different weather just kind of inspires that uh, you know, that premise to start taking on a, a little bit of a different take. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, just a, a different vibe to the fall. And I feel like you can start getting a little heavier. Like I don't want to sit there necessarily at a barbecue in July and drink a Imperial stout. Not that I won't and not that I don't, um, yeah, but, but for- I don't always want to do that. Like, because it's a, you know, 10 or 12 or 15% alcohol beer. And that's not enjoyable sometimes when it's 85 out and you're sweating and eating a hot dog. Like, yeah. Drinking like dark Lord at a barbecue but, could be yeah. fun, but like you drink three, three or four of right. those, you'd be, you'd be sloppy. But like you said, sloppy. like, Oh, like having a bowl of chili, watching a football game. Yeah, and it's, you know, 55 or 60 degrees out, and you're like, okay, yeah, that maybe one of those beers might hit hit it a little bit better for Yeah, you. absolutely. So, like, I know that from, like, we talk about stouts, and I mm-hmm. know that there's, um, like, we're going to talk about some events here, and I might be jumping around as we're doing our primer, and I apologize. Oh, no, you're fine. We you're jump fine. around, but I know that the- Just win- like House of Pain. Just, yeah, jump around, boom. I jump around. <laughs> the sweetest chef every time I can. Like, I know that, like, the barrel-age stuff tends to come out a lot during the, the wintertime. Yes. And the, this this part of the year. Why is that? Is that because, it's like, the, the process of it, they started at a certain time, and then it takes in. It's, like, it's maturation. Like, they plan for it, that they know it's going to sell better here. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, these beer, breweries have release cycles for a reason. You're right. not going to put out, like, you know, a, tecate, a super Tecate light or a Bud Light <laughs> Uh, extra limerita on Christmas Day. You sure. might, but it seems like there there's thought that goes into this. And oh yeah, like explain to me like what some of that because I've noticed over the years like every like it's is it Thanksgiving the Black Friday Bourbon County stout goes on yeah sale? and we'll talk about that yeah. one um yeah so I think there's a little bit uh, a little column A a little column B here um with I I suspect that there is a a uh market difference in uh, user you know, or drinker preferences that lean that skews towards those types of beers in the fall. Uh, I also think there's very much a part of process, uh, depending on how long you age these beers for. Um, the you, Barrel aging is a tricky process. Uh, brewing in general is a very tricky process. Temperature plays a huge role in how a beer might turn out, especially when you're barrel aging it. And uh, you have to 
uh, weigh those factors and probably depending on the location of the brewery that that may or may not have you know implications you know like in Chicago it's easier to barrel age over you know a certain period of time than it is at different months of the year yeah absolutely. Um, so I I, ver- I think that there is very much a, a component of that plus length of time you put stuff in a barrel has an effect too like there are some beers that will sit in it very briefly for a few months and that's all it needs um there are others that will sit for a year or 18 months and two years in barrels on in you know more extreme instances sometimes even longer um and yeah that i mean that's production schedule that's you have to know when you're going to release this and everything like that so yeah i think there's i think there's more than one element to it but yeah there's i mean I would not be surprised if you went to, you know, a bunch of bigger breweries that do barrel aging stuff and they said, oh, no, well, users or drinkers want to have this at, uh, you know, at this point in time. At during the beginning the year. It's going to sell better yeah. here than it would here. Like, it's certainly, you know, an imperial stout um, is probably going to get drank more in the fall or the winter than in the spring or in the summer. Now, I mean, granted, though, um, there are plenty that buck that trend. Uh, uh, Founders does KBS in March. Granted, March is cold as hell in in Grand Rapids, yeah, in Michigan. Michigan. Um, but uh, they, I mean, that comes out then. Dark Lord does theirs. Used to be in April. Now it's in May. Um, or th- at Three Floyds, they do Dark Lord at that point in time. Um, so I mean, there's there's always going to be exceptions to the rule and stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, it w- there's a. It seems to be a trend that these beers come out at this time of year. Now for the like going back to like founders because we've done the KBS release a few years ago mm-hmm. and we did Dark Lord Day this year. We talked about Dark Lord Day and the festival that it is um, and all that stuff. Um, does does KBS from Founders being released in March is that a beer that you should be able to take and drink right off the bat? Or are they assuming that you're gonna get this and you're gonna put it in your your storage and then start to drink it maybe in the fall? Or and, yeah, and likewise the same for uh, Three Floyds for Dark Lord. Well, put it this way: most most breweries that are putting something out on a shelf want you to buy that product uh, and and consume it so that you buy more. Uh, there are some beers that will do better with age or will do different things with age, uh, but they won't necessarily like a brewery is not always going to come out and say, hey, buy this and then sit it on a shelf for three years and then drink it then. Like they usually want you to like the I believe they're the, in the business. Right. Of making money. Well, the brewmaster for founders like came out and said like, hey, I know, you know, a lot of people will you know, age this and that's fine. However, it's, it's meant to be, you know, consumed right away. Like it's ready, it's fresh, it's ready to go. Like, plus, I mean, that KBS has a big coffee element to it. The longer you let that sit, the more, more that coffee, yeah. well, that coffee is going to fade out of it and you're not going to get the beer necessarily as it was intended. Now, like I just had a dark Lord the other night. Um, and I think we had a 2015 Dark Lord, and so we're you know two plus years later, and a lot of the sweetness had kind of faded from it, and the coffee was just right there hitting you in the face, like it was very coffee forward. So, which is probably something that you were not a fan of as much. I actually liked it a lot. Interesting, um, but because, uh, like, your affinity for coffee itself right. is not there. Right. Well, I don't like coffee the you know as a standalone beverage, but I do enjoy coffee in my beer immensely. Um, but yeah, so I think that uh, there's there's some mixed thoughts there, but uh, I think most places are going to naturally want you to drink it. And then there's nothing wrong with putting your beers in your cellar. You just have to know their limits. Um, if you want to sit on something for a couple of years, it might have really good results. You could also put something in your cellar and it could turn into just a pile of garbage. Yeah. And Or I shouldn't say garbage, but it won't be as good as what it was supposed to be. 
Yeah, exactly. Because I know that the wine industry, some beer or some of the vineyards, like will say specifically, you mm-hmm. need to age this for an extra, you know, year or two years because you want the grapes to like get more acidic. But they yeah. have to take it because they have limited amount of space. They have to like bottle and do that thing. So that's a common practice there. I was curious. Yeah, if that's because I know you store I, a store and have vintages from other years, and like you've got mm-hmm. collections of Dark Lord going back numerous years so i was just curious if that was a a general trend general salute <laughs> yes a general trend uh, i mean it it is certainly the darker the beer the better it will age in general um if you take a you know a pale ale and you sit on it for 12 months that pale ale is not going to be as good as, sure, as sure. what it should have been because uh, yeah, the, the hops, hops fade, out. fade out they fade yeah. out and uh, that's just the reality of then it. It's just uh, an ale. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's not how it's meant to be intended. Like it's better fresh. Uh, so yeah, you just kind of have to gauge it. If you're getting in any sort of point where you're you know geeking out enough to have a cellar, uh, you know, to or a storage area for your beer or anything like that, um, you know, you you're probably well enough versed in knowing what beers uh, you should keep and what beers you shouldn't keep. For sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, but, but this is the education part of our podcast. This is the. Right. This is where we need to take and educate people. It, it is, but uh What is it what's so talking about a seller, let's like jump into that really quick. Yeah. Like top level scratch the surface. Where should people if they're trying to store, like if they have like long term storage for a beer, mm-hmm. what are some of the better climates for that? Like, um generally you just want a good uh a cooler but not cold area. Uh so it doesn't necessarily have to be in your basement. A lot of basements make good spots for it, but if your basement gets super cold, then you might not want to do it. You probably you want to keep it in. Oh, I wouldn't go you know too much higher than like the uh, 60s. Like you want it to be somewhere you know, in the in the mid to upper 60s. You're generally gonna be fine. I mean, you could go at different temperatures, but that's gonna work just fine for you. And you start getting up into the 70s and 80s and uh you know then you're getting warmer beer which it won't ruin your beer if you have it in there like that. Uh it's just generally not as good for it. Sure. Um, is there is there anything with fluctuations of temperatures because I know people sometimes taking cool beers then r- yeah, them up. Is that actually a r- It's not totally a thing. Okay. It can affect uh, it's gonna. It could affect it theoretically in in some instances, depending on style. But, but it's, it's more like, perception. It's based. it's mostly perception. I mean, if you have a beer that's been exposed to UV, uh, it's been out in the sunlight in a clear bottle. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Um, if you put like a lager out in the sun and it and you don't open it, yeah, it's gonna get hot also. But if the more damaging to it is gonna be the UV, it's right. gonna skunk. It's gonna be nasty. Um, it. But if you're talking about like a can of Miller Lite or a can of something, you know, a very basic type beer, nothing crazy. Uh, you're generally going to be like, if it gets warm and then it, you know, put it back in a cooler later, no one's going to discern a, no, a major difference in flavor. I mean, it's just, this Bud Light Lime Marita tastes more oaky than normal. It's You got to factor in all of the steps in the, in the chain. Like, this beer is made in a gargantuan brewery. It's going to a warehouse. It's going to sit. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, there are refrigerated trucks, but they're not always going to be shipped in refrigerated trucks, and they're not always going to be shipped in climate-controlled warehouses. Then it's going to go to a retail store, which they are either going to put it into a 
climate controlled, you know, or just on the fridge, or it's just yeah. going to be sitting flat. I mean, if it's sitting in, you know, a sixty-five or a seventy or seventy-five degree store, probably nothing going to happen. But you, if it's sitting in a stock room and it gets up in the summer, and it's eighty-five or ninety degrees in there, like your beer's getting hot. It's not really impacting anything major. Um, you know, if you're talking about something very, you know, exotic that's got a lot of different flavors and complexity. Yeah, there could be some ill effects, but the chances are very limited. Like it has to get very, very warm to see any kind of effects like that. And if you're cellaring your beer, that's not going to happen. Uh, if you're putting it in a, in a decent area, you just want it to be away from light and being disturbed. I mean, and that's, raccoons. You don't and, want... Yeah, raccoons are ideal. Don't don't let raccoons near your cellar. Yeah. <laughs> They'll just they'll be in there drinking your beer. You have a bunch of drunk raccoons, which are harder to get out of from <laughs> under your patio than a bunch of sober raccoons. And and by all means, like that's not a like a vital like don't take my word to be you know gospel or anything like that. I mean that's just how I've done it. Um, there, are, I mean my, one of my good friends has a very impressive cellar. Um, you know he's got it shelved out and he's got everything lined up great i mean his is way more advanced than mine mine's just a little spot down in my and down at, you know i have one in my place in california one back here uh i just kind of keep it stashed away from at both light. of your chateaus and uh then you know deal you know drink it as i see fit i just kind of monitor make sure it's not getting too hot or too cold and off you go it's nice. not it, i'm not really panicking if if it gets you know a little too warm or anything like that it's just life very cool yeah. very cool what else do we have on our fall uh, fall beer preview? I primer? do. I got a couple other styles I want to talk about. Let's do um, it because one of which we will be tackling in a later episode. Uh, we'll be drinking for one. Um, the I have a strong affinity. Uh, this is a great beer for the fall. Um, your Belgian Abbey ales, um, specifically doubles and and quadruples. Uh, those beers are some of my favorites. And the fall is a perfect time for them. Uh, so, like these, like doubles and triples, you you get like this huge like dark fruit, plum, like raisin, uh, a little bit of spicy like clove and uh, other uh, notes from the yeast, uh, and yeah, caramel uh, color and for the beer, uh, just kind of like a molasses uh, flavor to it, like a sweetness to it. And these beers aren't very hoppy or anything like that; they're very malt forward. Um, but, uh, and, and they're sweet, but not overly sweet. It's okay. enough okay. to, it's enough to know that like, this isn't like, you know, uh, it's not like you're drinking a liquid dessert or anything like that, but it's, it's more sweet than your, you know, certainly more sweet than like an IPA or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a, a different, it's a different style. It's a very distinct style. Be honest with you. Belgians probably make the best beer in the world as far as this guy's concerned. Um, you're pointing at yourself yeah for so radio purposes. um that's uh that's just my take on it i think uh i love everything that they do whether it be you know sour or uh you know these abbey ales things like that so some good examples uh well at least like a, an american uh abbey style ale uh omegang out of new york makes it makes a pretty solid one uh new belgium as well also makes one and those are more like accessible ones those are ones you can kind of get fairly easily um if you're looking for something from belgium uh a very accessible one like you can get at a decent liquor store uh, is going to be roquefort trappist 10 or roquefort trappist 8 um the 8 being the double uh the 10 being closer to a quadruple um and saint bernardus which is 
pretty well out there. Uh, they're another Abbey in, in Belgium, and they, they make uh, a 12 that is, which is their, their quad, uh, is very, very good. Um, those beers are remarkable. We'll be drinking uh, what has been widely considered at various points uh, to be the best beer in the world on a future podcast, which is falls into this uh, uh, this realm of Belgian Abbey Ale. So That's really cool. We'll be we'll be dissecting one of those in a, in a later episode. But uh, yeah, this is the time of year. Like I last one, last I had a, a you know the um, West Veteran Twelve, which is the beer I was referencing before. I had that like last Thanksgiving, and it was like perfect. It was like I'm eating this huge ass turkey dinner, and I'm drinking one of the best beers that's made by anyone on the planet, and like it was perfect. Like it was just a, a great time for it. So yeah. Definitely check out some of those styles. Then the other style that uh, is really starting to pop forward for me is the barley wine, and this is one. Yeah, you like barley wine <laughs> I, a lot. I love barley wine. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know why, but I have an affinity to not try barley wine. I don't oh, know, man. Like it, it's just not up in my. It's yeah. not just up in my palate. You know that, and then sours for some reason. Yeah. Have, well, like, and and, and those them. are two totally opposite ends of the spectrum. I know, here but it's too. like it's it's. These are like the deviations out of like the standard, like 80% of beers fall in this. And then you got yeah. these different things. So it's like, if you're wanting to start to do more of the experimental stuff and open up your range and open up your palate, these are where you go to do that. Um, I can say, you know, and this is something that I need to work on for myself for this podcast is opening my eyes up to more of these, um, barley wines and more, uh, I'm not going to say obscure because they're not obscure, <laughs> no. but like these, uh, these different things. So like what, what's a barley wine? Okay. So a barley wine is kind of a, a bit of an enigma as far as, uh, wrapped in a riddle, wrapped yeah. in a Twinkie. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a kind of an odd style. Um, but, uh, so it's generally, uh, like a, a very malt forward beer. There's, they're not hoppy. There are some that have more hops than others. Uh, usually American barley wines will be hoppier than the traditional English barley wines. Uh, but these things are gargantuan. Like this is this is the beer that uh, if you say like I want to have a party um, and I only want to drink one, you know, or say twenty two ounces of beer, this beer is going to get you there. Um, these are very. It's going to take you the distance. They're very high ABV. Um, Typically on the lowest end, that uh, I mean, the American barley wines are more extreme, but you're usually looking between ten to twelve percent in general, and some go even higher. Okay, um, so it's more like a wine in that regard. Yes, it's higher than that. That's one of the um, part of the reasons for the for the name is that it's more typical of a wine when you're talking about ABV. Um, the barley part of it is the fact that it's made with barley rather than grapes. Um, then the, there's also a, a kind of a, you know, subclass of barley wines, which would be wheat wines, which is when you use malted wheat rather, or in a significant proportion of the beer rather than just barley. Now, is Um, it a brewing technique that's different that takes and yields this? It's the, it's the grain bill and the recipe. Um, I mean, there are different things that you will do, um, in relation to that, but it's, it's mostly the, the, the recipe. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, the American, uh, barley wines are usually hoppier. That doesn't mean that they're over the top hoppy, like a double IPA or, or anything like that. Uh, but they are, um, you know, they're, these beers in general are going to be very, very sweet, very alcohol, very boozy. You're going to get like a fruit, uh, toffee, uh, and, uh, you know, just kind of like a, overwhelming like 
combination of those things running together that like that it all comes together from like the nose to the actual drinking of it uh you just get bombarded with this interesting interesting um, it's a it's a great beer. Uh, it's a it's a fun beer. It's definitely one that you have to be careful with, uh, depending on which one you're drinking and where you're drinking it and when and all those things. These are definitely um, not mowing the lawn beers. No, no, would not recommend it for that forum. Uh, but they are incredible, especially when barrel aged. Um, they're they're just top notch stuff. Um, so for some reference points on those um i really like so for an english style well an american english style uh <laughs> barley wine uh three floyd's behemoth is a, a wonderful representation of that style um also old numbskull by alesmith and uh, lost abbey angel share uh, which very commonly angel share is found in a uh, bourbon barrel uh aged version of it um, which those are all excellent uh, versions. And then one of the very famous ones uh, also is uh, Goose Island's Bourbon County Barley Wine. Very interesting. Yeah. Very so, interesting. Which we will talk about uh, some more Goose Island stuff here momentarily. Yeah, I do have a follow-up question to this because sure. you brought it up in terms of uh, what we were talking about. And I, the question I have is with access mm-hmm. um, and distribution. So we t- we talk about like wine or not wines but we talk about beers and different things here and i want to take and talk to you and really i'm curious about what it's like so some of these beers like that we do on the show we call them jewel beers versus benny's beers <laughs> um and usually that that means like can it be found at your local grocery store or do you sure. have to go to a big box a bigger box uh retailer for mm-hmm. that to find some of these beers now some of these things i I'm hearing or have got to be even obscure to the Binnies, which offers huge selections. What do you recommend for people to do if they have a Binnies or a Bevmo or a XYZ larger grocery yeah. store chain to do to try some of these wines if they they're not seeing it on the shelves? Can they ask somebody about that? Like, should they? Yeah, start you to can. Like, like what? What's the thing that they should do? I mean, Woodman's is probably not going to order you special stuff. They might. Yeah, they know. might. I mean, depends on how tight you are with the guy or girl that is doing the inventory uh, for the for the place. Um, local bottle shops and things are probably going to be more likely to try and order you something. I think than a big box store. But it all depends. I would say. Uh, I mean, if your starting point, like you want to try this style. Obviously most of these places are separated. Like I should say bottle shops, decent, decent liquor stores, things like that are going to be segmented typically by style um, or at least country. Uh, So you would know like, I am going to go check these beers out um, in this section. If I don't see something, yeah, then definitely ask because the people that, especially at like a big box liquor store, like a, like a BevMo or a Binnie's or something like that, um, they're going to have a beer, a, a beer person on staff at any uh, within any shift like they're going to have someone who knows what they're what they're talking about and they'll have either a recommendation for you or if they don't have that particular beer or that particular style they'll point you to somewhere that will um so that that would be my recommendation if you're trying to also if you're trying to experiment like if you have you know if you're have cell service just go on like beer advocate or, or on rate beer and check out you know, beers by style and just kind of filter through. I mean, there's a lot to choose. So like it would help if you had a specific brewery or uh, something like that in mind, but uh, you can also just kind of poke around and like do a little search in there and see if it's available. Um, Barrel, barrel age stuff can, some of it's accessible, some of it's not Um, the, like, so the examples of like barley wines and these other beers, like 
I try to, if I'm trying to get a suggestion out there, I'm going to try and get it to the point where it's something that you can generally get at a liquor store at some point. Uh, not necessarily uh, a beer that is, you know, super rare, like a, a, a Three Floyds Behemoth Barley Wine. Like you can get that at the liquor store. You can, you can get it. Now it, it does, they don't stock a lot of it and you got to be sometimes in the right place at the right time, but it's there. Yeah, like it, it will make there. there like a, a old numbskull from Alesmith, like that will get there. Um, you may not be at every single one, but uh, you can find it in a lot of places. A jewel is not going to have jewels. I mean, or a grocery t- store, right? Grocery yeah. store. Uh, you know that. Car- I mean, Woodman's has a fantastic uh, uh, liquor department in most cases, but like uh, your your run of the mill grocery store. I mean, they're not. They're you have all these different you know, competitors. They're selling stuff that sells. Yeah. Um. It takes up shelf space, so they're not going to necessarily go into things that are a little bit more exotic or anything like that. So you just kind of have to know that, like, going to that, you may have to make a different choice uh, than what you would if you were going to a, a liquor store. So I think that to, like, uh, too long didn't read, summarize, the whole thing is mm-hmm. if you had it, um, like, if you have something specific you're wanting to look for, do yourself a favor and try to go meet the beer person who's there. And if they don't have it, try something new. If they could get it, talk to them because they're the beer reps are taking and talking to these, like, what are people oh, yeah. wanting to say? Like, what do you want? So there's access and stuff like that for there, mm-hmm. but always seek somebody out for it. It's probably easier if you go to like an actual liquor store that is doing this stuff versus a grocery store, yeah. You're probably going to get more hands on attention for that. And they'd, they'd, they'd be able to either point you in the right direction or give you that access. Mm-hmm. To for that. sure. For sure. I mean, uh, there's a lot there, you know, a lot of great beer out there right now. So it's a challenge for any retailer to like, be like, Oh, well we're the masters of everything. Uh, we we've got this covered. I mean, you can cover a lot of ground, but some places are going to have better, you know, better beers than others at times. Like some, you know, if the beer guy at store X knows, you know, this rep from this brewery and they're able to get an extra case of something or whatever, like that's just, that's just how reality is sometimes. Like sometimes guys, guys or girls have better connections. So I'm the master of Coors Banquet beer. (laughs) And and Schlitz. Schlitz. Oh, God. I love that. Thank you for picking that up for me. Of course. Of course. Appreciate Um, it. But yeah, so outside of uh, some of the beer styles that, you know, so that that pretty much wraps up like my mate. I mean, I'm still going to drink a a pale ale during the fall, like if the the mood strikes. NFL's on. You got to watch. Yeah. But like those are my, those are my kind of like targets for the fall is like this is where things start transitioning and those are the styles I go after. Um, But also in the fall, uh, it's a great time for beer events in the Midwest. I love beer events in the Midwest, <laughs> and uh, so and there's there's several really good ones. Um, the biggest one in the fall is probably going to be it would probably be considered uh, Fobab, which is the uh, Festival of Wood and Barrel Aged Beers, uh, which is held in Chicago every November. And uh, this this is an event uh, that they've been doing. I think this is the fifteenth year for it, um, and it is. Uh, a pretty remarkable thing that the Illinois, um, uh, uh, what are they called? The, uh, they're like a, a homebrewers and tasters guild type thing. Um, they, I think they call, they, they put the whole thing together. They run it. It's like, they have tons of volunteers. Like it's a, it's a really cool, uh, and it's, it's, it's a fundraiser for them essentially for lobbying and, and things for the craft brewing industry, yeah. uh, which is, which is pretty sweet. So, um, they, uh, this, this, this event features, uh, Beers that are in uh, typically in either bourbon barrels, wine barrels, or other types of spirit barrels. Um, it, it, everything that is there has to be aged on wood or in a uh, you know or or 
if just wood alone or it has to be aged in like a spirit cask or something of those yeah, lines. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that that's kind of the, the draw for it, which obviously barrel-aged beer being a very big thing uh, at this point, it obviously has a lot of interest. Um, so they do like three sessions. They do like a, a Friday, uh, af- like a Friday evening session, and then like a Monday or Friday Monday, a Saturday morning and a Saturday evening session. It, uh, it's actually as of last week they still had tickets available. Um, it's the tenth of November, uh, so if anyone you know is listening to this and they're like, "Shit, I want to go to a beer event," like this is one that it's a wild one. If it's your first one to go to, I mean, it's going to be a little bit of sensory overload. But I think uh, their website's Fobab F O B A B dot com. Uh, like I said, as of last week, uh, there were, there were tickets available for like the Friday night session and then like the Saturday afternoon session. So, That's awesome. um, but yeah, so I've been to this, this event several times. Um, it's not just an event for people to drink beer though. It's also a competition. So these breweries will send like really interesting stuff that they've done. Um, obviously again, barrel aged and, uh, they have a judging panel that makes, you know, by style, they will, you know, vote for these beers and they'll tell you uh, what wins in each category. They'll also have an, like an overall, like a best in show, uh, type thing, very much like a dog sure. competition. Yeah. Eugene um, Levy. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool event. I mean, it's held at the UIC forum, uh, in Chicago, the university of Illinois at Chicago. So it's a decent event center. It does get a little crowded, uh, because there's a lot of people who want to go to it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, you get, a if you volunteer, if, if you feel like it, they usually give you a, a free ticket so that you can go to one of the other sessions. That's cool. I have one that I want to interject as an event that it's not fully beer. Mm-hmm. It's more of a culinary experience. Oh yeah. Um, but I want to share it with people because I went to it. Uh, not this past weekend, but the last weekend before mm-hmm. that. And it was, uh, uh, the Chicago gourmet festival. Gourmet. Yeah. Gourmet. Uh, is that where you met the Swedish chef? I did not meet <laughs> the Swedish chef there, but, um, it's put on by Bon Appetit magazine. I think is what it, yeah. <laughs> not bone ape tit, but not, not that. <laughs> and, it, and it is amazing. We had a great time, um, there and it's, it, it, they break it up and it's a little bit more, if you're looking for more than beer, it's sure. got it. It's got a bunch of different whiskey or a bunch of different spirit providers, okay. uh, vineyards, all this stuff, great gourmet food. Um, and then they do have a beer tent with barbecue and some other stuff. Bell's was there on nice. staff. New Belgium was there. I think Stella. So their beer, is, their, their beer was limited, obviously, to a smaller selection because they were geared towards a lot of different things that was around the thing. But you buy the ticket, you, all your food and alcohol mm-hmm. is included. Um, which can be awesome and can be dangerous too, but I had a blast there. So I'd highly recommend that it happens. I think the middle of September every year. Okay. Um, it was my first experience. It was like 95 degrees out and sunny and we had a blast. (laughs) Um, but like it's, it's not a traditional beer thing, right? You can have beer as part of your overall experience doing it. Yeah. That's Um, cool. Highly recommend it. It was, like I said, Bon Appetit magazine, I believe is the one who put it on. They were doing their 10th year, uh, anniversary and I went to the bells thing and you got to make you got to make uh, uh, friends with the guys at the conventions <laughs> that are pouring because he's like, oh, give me a sample. I'm like, you can just fill up my glass because it'll save me three or four trips from coming here <laughs> to get these little things. He's like, OK, fair enough. And so I drink about like nine gallons of two hearted. It was, it was very <laughs> dangerous, but it was fun. But yeah, that's another one that like it kind of, you know, blends the uh, yeah blurs lines between beer events strictly. And but I mean, everything's paired together. Like, I mean. Beer should be enjoyed and, and it very much is enjoyed with different food pairings and things right. like that. Same thing with wine. Like uh, beer is a natural 
has natural pairings with different foods. So yeah. it's something that it should be experienced. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend people going out and doing that. Um, as another thing, you know, that's the early that's the early part of the fall yeah. uh, fall events. But what else you got? Okay, so we mentioned Goose Island and the, the Bourbon County earlier. Uh, so this is not a full-fledged, like, ticketed event necessarily, uh, but it is a important uh, important day in the beer community, which is Black Friday each year is when Goose Island releases uh, Bourbon County brand stout, uh, as well as their variations of Bourbon County brand stout and the Bourbon County barley wine. Uh, so this year they have, uh, I believe it's seven different iterations of this stuff. So I, I got them written down. Uh, so they have Bourbon County, then they have Bourbon County coffee, then they have Bourbon County barley wine, uh, Northwoods Bourbon County stout, which they did with, I think, blueberries and almonds, uh, which is a little interesting. Then each year they do a proprietor's blend. And this particular year it's modeled after the dessert bananas foster. So I'm kind of intrigued about that. Very interesting. Then they do a reserve blend, which they aged uh, for two years. And then they did a uh, uh, another reserve, or I'm sorry, they did reserve brand, uh, barley wine, which was aged for two years. Then they did a reserve stout, uh, which was aged in 11-year uh, whiskey barrels. So they've got a lot of different stuff going on this year. But yes, it's every Black Friday. It is a uh, a bit of a, a shit show uh, when it comes to uh, where and when and for what you procurement. get for procurement. It's not like this traditional beer event where you think like, oh, I'm going to buy a ticket and I'm going to go to this big party. Um, there are places that have types of like stuff close to that. But uh, what usually winds up happening is you just pick a liquor store um, and – now it's nationwide distributed, so it's it, like Bourbon County is a huge thing in the Midwest. So like this is definitely tailored to that. Like if you're on the West Coast, like out there last year, I went to a bar like two weeks after Bourbon County came out, and they just had it on tap, and literally no one was getting pours of it. And I was just sitting there, it's like, yeah, fill it up again. I'll do. He gonna do one. So, so what's the <laughs> but? Why is the mystique such there? Well, it's an incredible beer, and being a Chicago brewery and one of the you know kind of leaders in the craft industry for so long um and one of the pioneers of like barrel aging um goose island has been you know front and center for a long time uh so this year they were saying uh, and they've and they're kind of recovering they had some bad batches uh, a couple years ago that uh went sour uh so they're trying to get things back on track this year uh so they did a whole bunch of changes uh to ensure better quality uh so this year they're saying that the it's going to be much much more bourbon forward um it's going because they weeded out they weren't taking any old barrels like the the stuff that they were all the barrels they were getting were like practically you know like they dumped the whiskey out of them and now we're putting beer directly into it they're not sitting around for any time or anything like that um so yeah, it's a uh, it's going to be interesting this year to see. But yeah, you pick a you pick a liquor store, you pick a, a you know a retailer, and then you just go and tr- get in line and hope. <laughs> um, they retailers will usually break up the amount that you can get um, into certain allotments. Some places more, some places less, depending on what was shipped and and how much that particular place gets. Um, but they also like the big thing is in Chicago at the Lincoln Park Binnies, which is just happens to be right next door to the Goose Island in Lincoln Park. Um, the line is typically like around the corner. There's people hanging out from like mid afternoon on Thanksgiving, um, sometimes even earlier their turkey on Thanksgiving, there. uh, just hanging out, waiting, uh, waiting to get this beer when it releases on Black Friday. That's so insane. like you'd think like, uh, like a 
people go and do that for store like to go get deals on a TV and shit. Yeah, like, like a $39 people, Best Buy yeah, computer. People are doing this for beer at the Lincoln Park uh, Binnies very, and other places. It's not limited there. Like uh, even the uh, Jewel out out by where my girlfriend's family lives, like they had signs up being like, okay, if you're going to, if you're here for Bourbon County, you have to be in this line at this time. And you know, this is your limits and everything like that. Like it's, popular enough in this area and in other spots where this it becomes a thing um so and a lot so a lot of people will bounce from liquor store to liquor store to try and get more of it um sometimes you're successful sometimes you're not uh but it's a very big uh, a very big release and uh, so, a very big point in time for uh for b- barrel aged beers in the fall yeah and so to the, your point about what we talked about earlier is this a beer you want to sit on for a while or you want to drink this because both like with scarcity, it's like, okay, I might want to sit on this because I can't get more of it. But then it's also like, because I can't get more of it, do I want to try it yeah. now? Kind of it thing. depends. I mean, usually what I do with a beer like that is like, say I got four bottles of it. It comes in, it comes in decent sized bottles. So it's like, uh, you're not, it's, I mean, it's a high ABV beer, but you can, you can put one of them down. I mean, you'll probably, you'll most definitely feel it. But uh, you, like if I got, say I got four of them. I would drink one of them, maybe two of them, and I would sit on one or two of them. Okay. Maybe, or, you know, drink one and then save one a year from now and a year from now and a year from now. You know, so do like a three-year uh, wait out on them. And, yeah. And just kind of see what they're all like. And the best part about it is like usually when you're, you know, buying that, it's like you get to know other people who haven't. It's like, oh, I've got this year. So, hey, I'll bring a 2015, you bring a 2016, they'll bring a 2017. And then we'll we'll drink them all together and see what the differences are. Sure, sure, um, sure. So that, like, that's a very common thing. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what, that's how I approach it. I usually, I usually drink one cause I want to know what it's like to begin with right? and then sure. see what happens as it ages. Yeah. That's and if you really, really like it the way it is, then just drink them all when you, when you feel like it. Yeah. Ain't no rules to yeah. b- dog camp for basketball. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, the question I have for you is, so these are scarce, obviously. What yeah. are they, what are the, what are people looking at at the retail level? Like, what are people looking oh. at? Like. Are they, is I, this a ten dollar for a four pack? Is this like fifty for a four pack? Oh yeah, you're looking you're looking high. It's it's a more expensive. Uh, I mean, they they sell them now in like different size bottles, so they they don't come in necessarily like four packs, like a convenient carrier or anything. And then the different variants of the beer have different prices too. Right. Right. Uh, so just yeah. to give some people some context when they're. Like, do you want to sit in line for a beer that's going to cost you sixty bucks? Oh yeah, you you should be prepared. Like, if you came with, if you were just hoping to get whatever you could get out of it, I would say bring yourself no less than fifty dollars. If you want to be safe and like make sure you get whatever variants that uh, may are made available to you, you know, bring a hundred. If you're if you're interested by them, I and no one says you got to buy everything that they offer you either. You for can sure, buy absolutely. one bottle if you want. Um, my recommendation would be to buy more, uh, because it's fantastic, but uh, not everyone's got the budget for that. So yeah, I mean, you, you're looking at a decent, it's not a, it's not an inexpensive beer. You, you have to know that you're going to get charged for this one, right? not only because of scarcity and how in demand it is, but it's also an expensive beer to make. Um, you know, these things are sitting in bourbon barrels. Uh, it's a storage cost alone. It's, to it's a high, uh, it's a high ABV beer. Um, it's a big malt bill in order to get it to that ABV. Um, you're, it's just an expensive beer to produce. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, that's, uh, that's just the reality of it. If, you know, if you're willing to spend 20 bucks on a bottle of wine though, you shouldn't be put off at spending 20 bucks on a bottle of beer, right? A good bottle of beer. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, go buy a 
go buy you know a can of Miller Lite for twenty dollars. But if if you're gonna spend twenty or twenty five or thirty bucks on a bottle of wine, then don't be thrown off on spending that on a beer that you pay for quality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, let's. I know we're we're kind of going long on beer, and I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but we got one other really good release. Um, this one takes you to the great state of Minnesota. Oh yeah, da. <laughs> uh, don't um, you know? Go to Brainerd. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to go that far. Uh, just to Minneapolis. Up to uh, Moose Lake. Surly Brewing in Minneapolis uh, does their Darkness Day. Uh, and and that, this is coming up in a couple of weeks. It's Saturday, October 21st. And this is an event that I've been to several times as well. Um, and it's uh, Darkness Day is the day that they release their uh, Russian Imperial style, which is called Darkness. And uh, this one, uh, it's, it's pretty popular. It, it gets a little crazy. Um, but uh, they have a, a cap on how many people get the beer. And then they have a, a party along with it. So you can go and just party and hang out. Or and, or you can get in line and make sure that you get a wristband because this is how they allocate the bottles. They have 1,500 wristbands. If you get a wristband, you're guaranteed the beer. If you don't, you're not guaranteed the beer, but you're free to go to the party. And if there's any left over, you can buy it at after all the wristbands have gone through, which is usually later in the afternoon. Um, the cool thing about it, though, is that it's in a business park and... Unlike the vibe at Three Floyds, where like a lot of the businesses were un- like really unhappy with Three Floyds um, when they ran Dark Lord Day and stuff, which and rightfully so, there was a lot of problems. But at this business park, they limit it to you know like fifteen hundred people that are getting the beer, which it usually there's a few thousand people that go to this, but uh, the businesses are pretty much wrapped up for the weekend. Um, yeah, once they're done they very graciously give up their parking and stuff for people to come in this thing and then you can actually camp in the business park um after i think they let you start putting up uh like tents and stuff once it's dark out um which is cool because the night before there are huge bottle share parties in this business park and you can camp and it's night you got a place to sleep and you're in line and then the next morning was when everything gets going and then you know they start wristbanding and stuff but you can go out there and like have a really cool experience because there's all these people bringing beers from all over the you know over the world and you're just hanging out waiting for another beer but it's not just a you know, oh, I'm going to sit in line, do nothing for 12 hours. Like you're at least entertained with this. I mean, I've seen people literally have TVs and Xboxes hooked up in the back of their cars, like running, running like a full blown, like computer rig, playing games and stuff. Like it gets wild at times with some of the stuff that these people have. Wild. Um, pew, pew, pew. But, uh, <laughs> the only downside to this event is that it's Minnesota in October. Yeah. The weather could be challenging for that camping. So we'll put it this way. A couple of years ago, I went and I took my girlfriend and this is one of the uh, first beer events that uh, she she went to and it was probably 20 degrees outside. Uh, <laughs> we And we got there about midnight and got our got our stuff set up and we had to sit there until, you know, they start wristbanding you at like nine in the morning. So you had to sit there for nine hours in 20 degree weather, uh, sleeping in shifts if you can. Uh, it was that was not. It wasn't great. It sounds like when we got tickets to Great Taste up in Madison. That was <laughs> yeah, a little it bit was, more it was, warm. But it, still, yeah, yeah, it was a similar experience. However, then one of my good friends went up. Uh, this was, was it last year or two years ago he went, and it was like 78 degrees outside, like sunny, beautiful, like you know, running around in T-shirt and shorts. And like he's like, oh, it was absolutely perfect. And this is like this is the balance you play when you're dealing with Midwest <laughs> weather in, Minnesota in the fall. Minnesota especially, uh, too. So, uh, yeah, I mean – you're 
you you run a risk on the weather. You never know. I mean, you you got to keep an eye on it. But uh, it's it's a worthy event, even if you're freezing. I mean, if it was if it was any colder than what it was, I we wouldn't have gone. But uh, we knew it was going to be like in the uh, for the high. It was in like the upper 40s, so it was okay during the day. When the sun's out, it's just that nighttime. It really kicks your ass. But uh, yeah, yeah, a great event, great beer. Uh, Surly does does awesome beer. And uh, this is another one that's it's worth getting. Now they started distributing uh, to other areas in the Midwest, including Illinois. Uh, you can get this bottle on shelves at times, uh, but it's more limited uh, in nature. So you will have more trouble finding this one. Not necessarily impossible, but more trouble. And but uh, it, part of the whole thing is the experience of going to the event too, which not only guarantees you the beer, but you can have a really really good time when you go to it too. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. I think our last event that we need to talk about just briefly is probably the international beer event it is. that yes. is uh, happens in the fall that everybody goes that's to. That's just wrapping up right now. Yeah, that's yeah. just wrapping up. So uh, getting everybody prepared for next year's trip. Uh, yes. how, what, we're talking about going to Munich. Indeed. We're talking about going under that tent. So stra- <laughs> strap up your lederhosen yeah. and get ready. Get ready to go. <laughs> Swedish chef going to Munich. Yes. Munich uh, is a, I mean, this is a bucket list item for me. Um, but uh, yes, going to Germany and checking out Oktoberfest uh, is a, uh, if you are unfamiliar, it's a gargantuan uh, festival that they throw every year. It usually runs from like mid to late September uh, until the, just past the first weekend of October. Um, and it's a, I mean, the history of it, it, it runs back to, uh, like a, a Royal wedding uh, of sorts back in the, uh, you know, I believe it was in the 1800s. Um, but in order to celebrate this, they threw this, they throw this big party. So it's been running for, you know, God now coming up on a couple hundred years. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, they, they do it in, uh, in September now, uh, partly because of weather and partly because it's, uh, been, you know, the whole thing is dragged out for such a big thing. It's a, it's a huge deal over there. Um, and it's a carnival. Uh, it's the, traditional beer tents where you just see the you know these huge long communal tables with people drinking beer um i mean it's it's a absolutely crazy crazy event um and it's one that uh, i think everyone should experience you know you're you're talking about beer again it's german beer it's not overly exciting or anything like that but it's very much an experience where uh you're just i mean it's gonna be sensory overload with all things not only german but then you have uh, international you know people coming in from all over the world so it's like a, a total a melting pot of, of things going on there it's, it's a really cool and smorgasbord it, indeed it's a very cool concept uh that they've that they've got uh, there so yeah i mean would you ever go to that oh absolutely yeah my cousins have been to it and they said it's a blast like they you you literally get your leader hose on <laughs> And you get hammered and you get for to days. Listen. So, like, they've got a lot of different uh, kind of cool things. Uh, so, not only with the the carnival going on, uh, but uh, they do like a, a keg tapping. So, like, the event doesn't technically start until the mayor of Munich uh, taps this keg, this gargantuan, this <laughs> yeah, massive, massive keg. keg of beer. And so, like, sometimes it takes longer than others in order to, to like break it break the thing off and tap it so like th- i think they they said like the the record for the least is like two like hacks at it and then like someone took like 12 or 16 hacks to get the thing going it's like ju- just get the show on the fucking road at that point but uh so that they got that um i mean the beer halls are uh crowded but uh it's they all have music going and different stuff i noticed one thing though 
So they, they started doing, this was, I think maybe it, it's been within the past like 15 years, but uh, they only allow like certain types of music at certain levels to be played during the day up until a certain point. And then later in the night, things can have like bigger shows where more people go because they want to have like a family atmosphere. Sure, sure. Not, not a full blown, like, Hey, you know, wholesome and everything like that, but enough to the point where it's not obnoxiously loud. Like people can have conversations, people can uh, enjoy each other's company in these beer tents and stuff. Because if you have, you know, a huge raging concert going on, careless a, whisper, a, a few hundred feet away, polka. like it can, you know, be very challenging to hear one another. And that, kind of took away from the spirit of the event. Uh, so that's a cool thing that they do, you know, make it sound like an old man or anything like that. But I mean, it's, you know, they, they want people to come and visit and enjoy themselves. And that's the best way they found uh, yeah, to I mean, kind of got, limit that. You got to limit Germany's uh, number one Limp Bizkit cover band from <laughs> taking and disturbing the family fun. I mean, yeah. And this, uh, obviously they're successful. I think they clock over 6 million people a year. That's insane um, to think about. <laughs> granted, it, it does come over a couple of weeks, but uh, that's still a lot of people in a small spot, um, you know, just for a, uh, just for a little celebration. So yeah, Munich is, I mean, I want to go to Munich for a number of different reasons and uh, October, if I could just so happen to wrangle it in where I get to go there for Oktoberfest, uh, that's going to be a win-win. Yeah. Regardless, I think you should bring some of our beer of the week uh, over there for it. Uh, even if you're there in like for Steve's Steve's April Fest, you know, you're there. And you're just like, I'm having my own October Fest in April. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work out, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. Maybe I'll get maybe we'll get real big and then we can have like uh, Wayne Stock over there. Wayne Stock. <laughs> Wayne Stock. Dot the T's cross the lowercase J's uh, and saw that. But thank you for taking and preparing all this different stuff about the Fall beers, uh, places to get it, events oh, yeah. in the Midwest, and obviously this international stuff. I know that everybody else has probably got questions in terms of like fall beers and had these questions like, okay, now that we're growing as a podcast through our third season, <laughs> weather calendar season, not our third season of shows, like how do I grow with this and what do I sure. taste? So it's it's enlightening to hear that, and it's uh it's enlightening to hear that you know this is the time to start to explore some of those those heftier beers. Yeah. You're going to have some of the beers that are going to be kitschy with pumpkin and all. Yeah. This other I mean, stuff. I left pumpkin beers out. That's not a slight against pumpkin beer. I think that it's just pretty well known um, yeah. at this point that pumpkin beers come out at this time. There are great pumpkin beers out there. So don't, uh, I mean, yeah, I know that sometimes the season kind of gets, you know, a nose turned up at it because it's like, Oh God, another fucking pumpkin beer, just like another pumpkin coffee out there. But don't, don't shy away from pumpkin beers. Uh, there's some really good ones. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's going to, I know it's, I'm going to take and open up some of my palate a little bit here uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, to and, I mean, if, and feel free like to hit us up on, on Facebook or on, uh, on Twitter or any, you know, whatever. I mean, we'll, if you got a question about beer, I mean, we'll, I'd be happy to talk about it. I mean, I, I talk about beer all the time, so it's, uh, you know, more than happy to oblige if someone has a question. And if I don't fucking know it, then I'll tell you, I'll go tell you to go talk to someone else who does. Yeah, we'll figure that out. <laughs> and I think, Steve, you just set up a nice segu into closing out the show. A segu. <laughs> a segu, perhaps. Not a, not a seg, not, we're not talking about a, uh, a two wheeled, uh, motorized scooter, are we? No, not a segue, <laughs> but just a segu. But, but a segue. Um, yes. Yeah, so if you want, to check us out on the internet you can find us at ohthispodcast.com you can also get us on twitter at ohthispodcast or you can talk to patrick or i individually i'm at steve hombaker patrick is p for r1 
Yes, he is. Yes, Stone Pony. I gotta get my little hawk impression in there. Um, but yeah, then uh, you can also catch uh, like our like our page on Facebook. Uh, send us Facebook messages if you got any questions about beer. You just want to talk about something stupid that we decided to talk about that that particular week. You know, we're more than happy to hear that. Uh, we love interacting with everyone, and uh, thanks everyone for the support. Um, if you do want to uh, uh, download the shows, you can get them on not only on our website, but you can get them on uh, Google Play, anywhere else, iTunes, yada yada yada. You guys know where to find your podcast if you're listening here. And if you're not, well, just get cool and go do a Google search or something, I guess. Um, but, yeah, uh, that is pretty much it. Other than if you like to support the show, hit us up on Patreon. We do have some options out there, too. Uh, if, you, if you like what we're doing, hit us up there. Awesome. Thank you again, Steve, for coming in. One more time, happiest of happy birthdays. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for cresting the 3-0 and welcoming uh, you to the, the club of the 30s. <laughs> you know, it's good up there. You're having your Eddie Bell four year. I am. I'm, I am. I'm pretty excited for my Patrick Ewing year coming up here. <laughs> I uh, know you are. It's very exciting. Very exciting. But it, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, I am Steve. I am Patrick. And we are out.